Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cazzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Danny Peavy, owner of StoryCells. Before going all in on product marketing and storytelling, Danny was in enterprise account sales, working first at IBM, then Apple, and then at Hewlett Packard. In between Apple and HP, Danny took on marketing and sales responsibilities for his family's HVAC company. It was in the process of building the company's website and online presence that Danny realized how passionate he was for marketing and storytelling. At StoryCells, Danny helps B2B SaaS brands with anywhere from 1 million to 20 million in annual recurring revenue with their product marketing and sales enablement needs. In setting up StoryCells, Danny even pursued a story brand certification, which he leverages to inform his approach to storytelling, positioning, messaging, and copywriting for his clients. During our chat, Danny and I explore the role of storytelling in product marketing. We talked frameworks and best practices, as well as what product marketers can learn about effective storytelling through movies, television, interviews, and even hip hop. It was a great conversation and one I know you'll walk away from inspired to tell your company or product story. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. Hey, Danny, how's it going? Hey, good, Mark. How are you? Good, thanks. Super excited to have you on today. Thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, excited to chat with you. Awesome. So let's get right into it then. I think it'd be great if you could give me a walkthrough of your career so far and what brought you to starting StoryCells. Yeah, so my sort of one sentence career summary is senior AE turned senior PMM. And I so I was in B2B tech sales for about nine years. So I worked for companies like Apple Enterprise, so not the store, you know, IBM and sold to similar Fortune 500 companies. And then five years ago, I essentially entered the marketing world after, you know, a career in sales and have, yeah, have been doing that for the last five years. Right on. And I'm I'm curious, what was it about marketing and product marketing more specifically that encouraged you or enticed you to leave what I would seem or imagine is a very lucrative career in sales behind? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, there wasn't like, like anything in life, there wasn't a direct um, jump, you know, it, it probably, I'm probably positioned a little bit more neatly than the the reality of the, of the journey. But the short version is I was in <clears throat> tech sales, it was doing well, I was working for really big companies, and I started to feel dissatisfied. I was making okay money. But I was learning a lot more about myself. I was in my 30s and 
I just was dissatisfied and I felt really guilty about that. So what actually ended up happening is I left Apple and then I went and ran sales and marketing, get this, at my family's HVAC business. And it was a little bit of a test to myself to see what I was made of. Like sometimes, or at least for me, when I was working for a big company, there were some moments where I was like, am I just successful because we have this great brand or do I really have what it takes? So when I decided to go the <laughs> way the opposite and go work for a heating and air company, what I learned is that I picked up a lot through osmosis working for bigger brands, right? And so sort of the way I got into starting story sales is that my brothers needed a new website and they paid probably 40 grand for a website and the company didn't help them with words. And, you know, luckily I grew up like loving hip hop and loving story and loving film. And, you know, I may or may not have a, a an independent hip hop mixtape in my garage somewhere that I made when I was 18 years old. But I at least kind of knew you should like words are really important for this site. Like, why would we why would my brother who sells heating and air equipment give you words for a website? And so I ended up going back into the sales world for another couple of years after that. But I started to get the entrepreneurial itch. And of course, like every entrepreneur asked themselves, what problem can I solve? And there was a little bit more complexity to that after, after that part of it. But I eventually started Story Cells off this idea that, you know, words and, you know, your story, the, the company's story is the engine that drives more sales. So that's probably the medium length answer. I can get deeper there, but that was sort of the genesis of how everything happened. No, that's perfect. I appreciate that level of detail. Uh, I find it so funny, not even funny, sorry, but interesting that you mentioned this inspiration from hip hop and film and television and stories. I find that probably in hindsight, a lot of other product marketers have probably been inspired by similar and might not have have acknowledged or recognized it in the same way that you have. This might be a difficult question to answer, but have there been any specific elements of those kind of sources of inspiration that you've leveraged or leaned into or even referenced when doing the work you're doing today? 100%. And it's I'm actually glad you brought that up because that, I feel like if people always say, I'm glad you brought that up on a podcast, like we didn't pre-rehearse up, I can assure you we didn't, right? But but no, it's it's actually that's actually probably where I spend most of my thinking time personally, right? Is that like the beauty of sort of like how we're all built naturally and what we gravitate towards and how that influences the career that we choose. So yeah, I mean, as a kid, I had a high, what I now know as empathy, like I had a high sort of emotional recognition ability that was really difficult. You know, I was, I feel like I was sort of gifted that. Like I could walk into a room and feel things. And as, as men, that's not usually something that is, you know, we're given two thumbs up on. Like men aren't supposed to be emotional and I'm not quote unquote emotional, but I just had this emotive, just sort of like, wow, I feel things. And I, I definitely had a love for the word, written word. Like I won a po poetry contest in elementary school. Like I've always been told I'm a good speaker, even though I deny it and be like, what do you mean? I, I don't speak for a living. And and then, yeah, I mean, independent, nerdy hip hop, like most deaf and, you know, all these things like, you know, didn't, I'm not a gang, yeah, not that they're not gangsters, but, you know, like the nerdy rap, like, 
even now I'll just sit and just get lost artistically and romantically and just a play or just, you know, breaking bad or like a hip hop song. And, and so, and then, um, I study Enneagram, I study psychology, I study you know, personality tests. I love, I love personality tests. So I think, I definitely think it's somewhat related to the career you choose. Like we all want to do things that we're good at. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I hopefully answered that question well, but yeah, I think it's a great, it's a fascinating topic. What do you think? I mean, do you have similar kind of thoughts on it? A hundred percent. And I was nodding quite aggressively as you're answering, obviously the listeners can see that, but a hundred percent relate to that idea of, of having that innate empathy. I think oftentimes as product marketers, we throw the term empathy around and we sometimes struggle to really define or acknowledge it in our day to day. Obviously, we want to show empathy to our customers, but when our customers are doing things around data warehousing or cybersecurity, sometimes it's hard to really get to what that empathy means. I think it's important, as you highlighted in your response just now, to identify how you can be empathetic or how your empathy exists in other settings. Like I'm 100% the same way. I will, and the guy that will like cry the drop of a hat in a movie if it hits me the right way. Uh, maybe since now that I'm a dad, that's part of the reason why anytime there's a, a you know parental relationship involved, I'm usually a a mess, and my wife likes to tease me about it in a in a very good natured way. Um, but I think there are ways in which you can be empathetic that exist in your day to day that subconsciously translate in how you bring yourself to work and how you address the problems of your customers and how you apply it. So I think. I appreciate you sharing that and being um, honest and candid about that because I think it is a challenge sometimes for product marketers to understand how they can be empathetic um, and and maybe even sometimes answers in job interviews, how that empathy has played itself out in the real world. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a great point. And, and I know empathy, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about revenue, right? But I feel like my personal theory is like, I feel like a lot of marketers or product marketers could have easily been therapists could have easily worked with children, could have easily worked for a nonprofit, right? Because you, you've got to get that out. And I, and I do, that's why I think the hip hop thing's funny that you pulled on because I do think that a ton of us, our musicians or whatever, that we've just, this is just where we've landed, you know? Exactly. It's not like anyone is going to their high school guidance counselor or career fair with the goal of finding the most empathetic career in mind or discussing, you know, hip hop and, and how that influences how you communicate and tell stories. So obviously with age comes hindsight and more self-reflection. And obviously it sounds like that's the experience that you went through as well in transitioning between sales and, and marketing. So again, I think that's a great takeaway for anybody listening, no matter where you are at the stage in your life, reflect back on your experiences and where you're pulling in for inspiration from. And you might not think that there's, a direct connection to how you approach product marketing, but I'm sure in some way there are experiences or lessons or insights you can pull from to make you a better product marketer or more generally just a, a better person. Empathy tends to lead to being a better person. I, I'd like to think, and I 100% agree with you that a lot of product marketers could probably be decent therapists, probably better therapists with, with professional training. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on in that regard. Or at least therapists to our friends. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Well, let's get into, and we touched on this already a little bit, but let's get more deep into our topic of conversation. And this is this idea of storytelling. I think storytelling at times can get thrown around um, and be used as a buzzword or show up in a job description with a lot of 
vagueness around it and no real definition or clarity around what storytelling is and how it plays in marketing. And it often gets used interchangeably with sometimes narrative design. I'm curious, how do you define storytelling? Yeah, so storytelling to me is, I guess, in the context of marketing and sales is making it easy to sell products and easy to buy products. And I think I agree with you on the buzzword. And listen, I'd be the first one to raise my hand and say, you know, me getting my start in all of this about five years ago, I've definitely sounded like a cover band, you know, which I'll attribute to the two Bob's podcasts came out recently, Blair and Blair ends Blair, like I know Blair, Blair ends and and David uh, C. Baker were talking about what you just said, which is like story. Like they, their, their thought was you can't build a business off story and that every agency and marketer is like story, 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 story. And I, I a hundred percent agree, but I think coming from a sales background, you know, being, you know, ha- again, having a little bit of a higher empathy, you know, to me, it's about um, just understanding human beings. And I probably sound like any other marketer right now, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, getting inside the head of a human being and being real about why we do what we do. And story to me is nothing more than just taking that insight and, you know, formulating words that will help somebody buy eventually. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think, you know, in the build up to this conversation, you and I had, you know, shared kind of our experiences and we both discussed um, the book Building Story Brand. And it's obviously, I would imagine, been very informative in you and your career and what you do with story sales. Um, you know, I've read it and leveraged different aspects of it. And what I uh, have come away from that book applying in my day to day is really just like the framework of how to tell a story. And, you know, I think oftentimes people hear the word story. And like you said, you know, agencies and marketing um, agencies will sell themselves on this idea of like story, 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 you have to lead with a story. And not every solution that you're selling product or service lends itself to a good story. But there are elements of how you frame and build a story that can be applied in that selling or marketing movement that I think are very relevant and are very repeatable and translatable across industries. So yeah, I agree, you might not necessarily be able to you know, tell the most compelling story selling, you know, not to pick on our cybersecurity friends, like cybersecurity solution, but there are elements of story selling that you can leverage to make how you're selling it more compelling, especially to the audience you're trying to sell into. Yeah. I mean, it should maybe probably be called psychology at, at times. Um, but yeah, stories probably could become the new buzzword like marketing is or was, right? It's just, it's starting to get it to a little bit too ambiguous. For sure. For sure. And, you know, what is it do you think about storytelling that product marketers should expose themselves uh, to it? Like, why do you think has storytelling become such a big thing specifically within product marketing circles? And what elements of it should a product marketer look to understand so that they can walk away from their exposure to it, knowing if they were asked how to define storytelling, how to respond to that question? Yeah, well, as as you know, I mean, messaging and positioning is a big part, uh, at least I think, of of a product marketer's job. And so, I think understanding how um, human beings think, you know, looking at the buyer journey and and looking at every step 
and then stepping back and asking, you know, what words, what message does the prospect need to get right here? What message does the customer need to get at, you know, step eight in the, in the buyer process? I mean, call it psychology, call it words, call it messaging, call it story. It's, it's just understanding the buyer. It's understanding the target audience. And, and, and most importantly, I think stories is again, like looking at, looking at a buying journey from the perspective of the user. And so, but to your point, you know, story can feel formulaic. There are great, and there have been great frameworks. Um, even some that I admit I'm not educated on that I think are probably from the sixties that have been around for a long time. You know, Donald Miller, who popular popularized story brand talks a lot about the, you know, Hey guys, story brand is just like a simple framework I made, but th- I got it from the 18 script writing formulas or templates that people use in the movie industry. And so I went and bought that and there are books like this thick that have plot twists and you do that to the protagonist and all this type stuff. So I think ultimately it's just, there are a lot of tools out there for product marketers to learn story, to at least get a, get a taste of how, of of what like story could be, but, you know, tying it back to music uh, at some point you have to feel comfortable enough with your understanding of human beings of with buyers to, to not go off script, but like jazz music, right? There's a formula to jazz, but there's also not. I think that's what you were sort of maybe alluding to earlier, right? Is that the frameworks and narratives and all those things are great. Like, again, I love story brand, but if you allow them to not let you just riff on, you know, some part of the story and just take a chance, then it, it feels a bit restrictive. So yeah, good point there. I think obviously, as you said, frameworks and processes are good as a reference point, but you don't want to get married to them in a way that they become restrictive. And there are two additional insights that I really want to lean back into. I really liked that idea of depending on where the buyer is in their journey, the story might have to change. I think a lot of the times as product marketers, we lean on examples that we're most often exposed to, and that tends to play out in consumer marketing. Um ways. And if you're not in a consumer marketing field, if you're not in a B2C um, environment, you might assume that how things are being done in B2C from a storytelling perspective are the same, should be applied in the same way to a B2B perspective. But you're talking about much shorter sales cycles, much less consideration, depending obviously on the price point versus B2B, which tends to take a period of time, sometimes involve many people, be a lot more money. And the buyer journey changes quite dramatically depending on where they are in that journey. So I really like that recommendation of, hey, really understand what that buyer is going through and make sure you're telling the right story at the right time, whether that's through how you position and message the, uh, the solution you're trying to sell at that stage of the journey to whom you're trying to position it. Um, I think that's a really important takeaway. So thank you for sharing that. The uh, the other thing that I, I quickly wanted to touch on, uh, and again, it's that idea of like the, the storytelling frameworks and processes, Getting inspiration from movies uh, and and film, I think, is so powerful. Um, after reading, you know, um, how to build a story brand, I found myself dissecting films in the same way uh, that David Miller does in the book. Um, but I even further immersed myself in how films and television are written. And, and one of the frameworks or processes, rather, that I found really impactful that I've 
actually leaned back into quite a bit over my career is the idea of like, you, I think some um, storyboarders or scriptwriters they'll kind of like map out the story over a series of sticky notes and they'll have these like, you know, act one, act two, act three, act four, act five, however they want to, you know, structure their story. And they have where the character begins and they have where the character ends. And then the process of writing the script is filling all the parts in between. And I know that seems really vague, but I have found that very powerful through the lens of where is your customer most likely today? Where do they want to, where do you want them to be at the end? And where does your product or service or solution come into the middle to help them get from the beginning to the end and building from those two points inwards, I have found to be a really powerful way of framing how things are positioned and messaged and ultimately that story that we want to tell. Yeah, that that's super insightful. And I 100% agree. In fact, no, no lie this morning, I was like, drinking my coffee at like 6am and watching Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad on YouTube, literally talk about what you just said. He's like, it was like top 10 screenwriting tips. And he literally just mentioned, all right, act one, two, three, four with the cards and you fill it in. And quite honestly, like going back to story brand. So like when I was a kid and I, I would watch movies, I, you know, I'm, I'm an overthinker, right? I would watch a movie and my wife's like, can you just enjoy the movie, bro? Like, you know, when your wife called you, bro, it's awesome. That's like when you have a great relationship. So, but I would like to start breaking down, like, why is this happening? Like, why, why did that person react that way. That's one thing that I've always gravitated to in my life is like, why did that person react that way? Why did that human being do that thing? Even like with my own, not to get too deep, like with my own self-analysis of like, why did I do that? Why did I feel that pain? Why did I feel that emotion? And so for me, story brand and like when I kind of encountered this product marketing world, it just validated for me sort of the foundation I had around story. And and it was exactly what you just said, which is I'm already breaking down a story or a TV show and, you know, looking at it through that lens. And so when, when we're all talking about story and marketing and I was in sales, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it just, so it was a little different, different for me, if that makes sense. It wasn't more like find story brand and then learn movie. It was like movie TV script. I mean, I wanted to write a script for the longest time. It's still a dream of mine. And then it's almost like the business part of it was a little easier you know, totally. Yeah. The, the business part of it helps kind of frame it and ground it in a little bit more yeah. reality. I'm, I, you know, I'm finding you and I have a lot of similarities, um, in a couple of different ways, but yeah, I'm on the same, uh, board with you in terms of like wanting to write a book one day or what that might look like. And having that be a dream of mine, um, yet to, to start or figure out the right place, uh, to begin that kind of thinking. But yeah, I, I think, um, one of the ways that I know product marketers, will often um, kind of see this come to life outside of just film and movies. I think I'm sure for some listeners, they might be sitting there thinking like, yeah, Danny and Mark, it's all great. Like I like watching movies and TV too, but for me to apply to my day to day, like good luck. It's just, I just haven't been able to, to do that yet. And I totally understand. But what I have found, if you want to ground it again, more in the business is, is listening to gong calls or just, you know, insert a call recording service of, of choice. Um, and, and kind of putting on that, okay, like I'm going to sit down and listen to this call as if I were listening to a podcast or, you know, watching a TV show, um, you know, and just listening to the audio, um, and kind of framing it in like, okay, this customer is coming into this call from a place of where they're starting and they're going to ultimately end the call at an end. What happens in the middle and how can you build a story around that? And how does the person 
from your company on the other end of the phone, position your solution. Did it make sense? Did it feel like they left a big gap in the middle? Did they jump from maybe, you know, again, from act two to act four without really getting into act three? And I have found that again, to be another way of, of applying some good storytelling ideas uh, and, and foundational kind of processes as it were to, to being a product marketer. Yes. And that, and that's, and that's, that was, that's quite frankly, what a, a big reason why I made the jump from sales to marketing is like, I started realizing sales. I mean, sales is very one-to-one. So like what you described, like it was slowed down, but I started getting more into the why people buy part of it. And I, and I started kind of creeping over, but yeah, that's, now I know you, I know you're like, well, how do yeah, Danny Mark story movies are awesome. But what you just described honestly is so true. In in the day to day, you know, of of the workday, and not to be cheesy, but like anybody that like creative or artistic, like there's 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 like a lot of cool. Um, that's that's the coolest part of our job. I, I honestly feel is like being able to be not the maestro, but just you know the voice of the customer. You're right there, like okay, this is you know the beginning. They're Rocky Balboa. They don't know how to fight. And at the end, they're champion of the world. How do we, it's the same thing as a script writer, honestly. A hundred percent. And oftentimes, again, while listening, I think to those calls can be quite impactful is the, the customer will literally dictate the story to you and not even realize it. And your job just becomes a matter of framing it in a story that can then be repeated. And if you listen to enough of those calls where that story is get repeated, it really crystallizes that in your mind for you. And then that's what I think makes good positioning and messaging into really strong and great positioning messaging is hearing it enough times to say, oh, what we're doing today and how we're positioning and messaging does or doesn't align with what the story our customers are telling us. So we need to elevate it or make this change or adjust it. And that's how you can, I think, really level up how you position and message things is, is by having that story crystallized by your customers for you. Yes. Yeah. When we first started doing it, like we would just take people through story brand. But then I was like, ah, this isn't enough. So we started interviewing customers. And that's what I tell like companies that hire us, right? Like, listen, story brand is great. It's a great tool or like whatever framework you want to use. But like, I'm going to record the words your customer is saying, and then I'm going to put those words on the website. And you're almost like cheating in a way, right? But yeah, you're 100% spot on. And also services like, um, I believe it's winter where you know, once you're done and you kind of look at it like an art and science or like a part art, part science, as far as like copywriting and stuff, like just kind of coming back to the customer's voice services like that, that can like skim and, you know, anyways, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, it's so funny you mentioned that because I literally did a winter survey just this morning before we hopped on this call um, before starting the work day. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. And I couldn't agree with you more, you know, in going through this particular survey, the words that were being used on their homepage and what they wanted the survey respondents to analyze just didn't feel like words a human being would say. And if, if, if that's the kinds of words you're using on your marketing site or you're using in marketing material, you're probably missing the mark. Um, and again, like if you think about some of the best stories out there, um, they're typically using language. I mean, outside of, of Shakespeare, but at the time it made sense. Um, but if you look at, good stories and well-written scripts and, and entertaining, you know, film and television, they're using words that people use, right? That, that's what makes them relatable. And that's what makes them that much more engaging is because they feel like a regular human being. So if, if the characters in these stories that most people look up to 
are so successful, why wouldn't you want to, uh, to replicate that? Um, so yeah, I, I you know, we've, we've shouted out a couple of good tools, Gong, Winter, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Those are some great places to start for doing that gut check around, is the story we're telling and the words we're using to tell that story legit? Do people actually understand this and do we sound like human beings? And if you don't pass that test, you got big problems. Totally. Totally. Cool. So we've already, I think, touched on a couple of different, you know, processes and frameworks and tools that we can leverage as product marketers to really, again, up our storytelling game. I'm curious if I'm a product marketer who's looking to start, maybe I'm the first product marketer to join an organization and they've been tasked or I've been tasked with, you know, writing the company's narrative or helping to build the company's narrative and, and exploring the positioning and messaging work that needs to then follow. Where would you recommend someone start? Um, and, and maybe start in a way that's going to put them in the best kind of storytelling mindset as possible. Yeah, I would, I think the first thing like we had sort of touched on is I would interview customers and just start spending a lot of time with customers. Right. So, you know, if you're in a, even a position to like ride along with the sales team or to be on the demos with the sales team, um, or, you know, sometimes the product. Uh, folks that interview customers to to make the product better, I would I would just start there, right? Because again, I think the goal there is just to help that new person just to loosen up. And if they're new to product marketing, the there's a high likelihood that they're built like you and I, right? They have high empathy. They're good people, good people person, people person, peoples. Um, <laughs> they like people, you know, like they're fun to be around. And so that would probably be like a small activity that that person could do to just build some confidence. After that, you know, I, I definitely still think, you know, some of the frameworks out there are great places to start. So I, I still think, I mean, story brand is great. Again, I know it kind of gets flack for being the, you know, not multi-level marketing, but just like these fanatic people, but it, it's a great book to, to like read and, and kind of essentially dissect. I, I really like Andy Raskin's stuff, right? Like he's done some great, he's also put together some frameworks, right? Like, He's, he's put out the, you know, this is the greatest sales deck I've ever seen. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that have been in the position where like April Dunford, I would, I would probably start with some of these courses or cohorts or books just to kind of start wrapping your mind around storytelling and, and different ways to go about it. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right on there. You know, there's a reason some of those books that you mentioned end up on like the list of, you know, top 10 product marketing books for anyone looking to crack into the to the field or starting um, because they're 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 really well done and, and their frameworks and their and their recommendations are effective. So I agree with you there 100 percent. If I can just add on to that, I think what, what I would also say is don't expect to hit it out of the park the first time. Like how many, you know, script writers or writers you hear, oh, my first novel that I wrote or my first script got picked up and I, you know, won an Oscar or I won the Pulitzer. Like that so rarely happens. I'm sure there are probably some that I'm um, not uh, familiar with, but, you know, you, I think as a product marketer, you have to expect, especially if you're new, that maybe the first cracks at it aren't going to be great. And that's okay. And again, that's where tools like Winter come in to help you refine that and improve. And as you said, talking to customers uh, and not just talking to them, but getting feedback on certain things. I think so often as product marketers, we we think of positioning and messaging as this thing that like should never leave the walls of your business. And I think to a degree, you're right. Like you wouldn't obviously want that getting out to a competitor because you're basically handing them the keys to, to how to compete against you. But I think it's okay to have customers, if needed, sign an NDA and, and expose them to how we're thinking about 
how we're going to tell the story, how we're going to position and message thing. And you probably wouldn't want to say to them, hey, this is our positioning and messaging because some of your customers might have never heard of that before. Most likely a lot of them haven't. But exposing them to, hey, this is how we're thinking about, you know, telling the story and selling our solution to other customers such as yourselves. Like, what do you think? Like, does this resonate? Does this does it sound like we're way off? And just get their honest, unfiltered feedback. Um, I, I think we can, as product marketers, sometimes be a bit too precious about our positioning and messaging and never want it to be exposed. And if you don't do that, you'll never really get um, improvement or, or actionable feedback on it. Yeah. And also, yeah, I agree. And, and, and on the vein of loosening up, but also position it internally to your bosses, right? And your leadership team as this is this is an ongoing effort, right? This is not a one-time here's our one liner, it's done. Like it, it's going to change, especially as the product change, as the market changes. The other thing I would add or recommend, and, and you and I obviously already talked about this, but I would, I would encourage that individual to, to watch biographies, to watch, I don't know if documentaries would be maybe a good way, but like, I, that's just sort of maybe I could be projecting here because that's sort of like my thing or whatever. But like, if I assume product marketers are just naturally inquisitive about the human experience. Right. So I, you know, like I, <clears throat> I get made fun of sometimes. Cause like, I don't care if it's like Oprah interviewing someone or somebody I've never heard of. Like, I just, I I've, I've been asking since I've been 10 years old, like, why do I love watching interviews? Right. Like if, if, if I, I think, I think interviews and biographies are better than business books, right? Because you're understanding why somebody made the decision. And, and again, I, I think product marketing and sales, a lot of it is coming back to the answer, the question, why is this person making this decision right now? And if you can wrap your head around the, that psychology, sales and marketing will slow down and it, it will look really easy because you understand, like you can remove yourself from the situation if you're selling or if you're marketing and you can say i know why this human being is about to do what they do and you can adjust absolutely yeah and, and on that note i definitely agree seeing how people are interviewed and how people conduct interviews is super impactful to a wide range of things within product marketing um but i think two examples of interviews or types of interviews i think to your point that people should consider um, I know David Letterman's show on Netflix, uh, where he interviews various celebrities or people of interest. I think it's a great example of like a long form interview and how you kind of tell the story about a person and let them tell the story by asking them not necessarily like very guiding questions, but questions that follow a specific narrative that I'm sure the interviewer, whoever wrote the questions or is helping David Letterman with the show or is trying to tell. And then if you want, I think good examples of like, what are some quick short interviews, like just watch late night television. Like these are pros that that's their whole careers have just been like, Hey, I've got five to 10 minutes with this person to make them likable and interesting and engaging and maybe even funny or, um, to make the, the watcher essentially like this person. And if you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you've only got someone's attention for 30 seconds to a minute while you've got them on their website, those kinds of interviews are really, I think, helpful in informing how you might approach that. And then the longer form ones are, are great for how you frame a sales call or discovery call or how you might want to script a, a webinar, for example. We've got some more longer form. So yeah, I agree 100%. Exposing yourselves to different types of interviews by different people, I think, is a great way to learn, but also enjoy as you're learning. Like, who doesn't like watching a good interview? They're, they're entertaining in and of, them, of themselves. 
I'm telling you, Mark, at some point, somebody's going to, some PMM is going to come out with like hip hop and PMM or some sort of entertainment mix with marketing. I'm surprised no one's done it yet. Honestly, I've been waiting, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so many hip hop artists are such great marketers. Like, you know, you that's why so many music artists in general end up branching into other businesses. Like I think about um, Jay-Z is one that comes to mind um, after reading years and years ago, this book that he published called Decoded, where he went back through a lot of his most popular songs and kind of deconstructed the lyrics and explained how they were written and, and what the story behind the songs were. And I thought that was so smart. And it's just like, yeah, I see why hip hop artists are so like their brains are just so different and they're so creative and they're able to tell stories across a variety of mediums, but then also like tell their broader brand story of who they are as a performer and an artist beyond just their music, whether it's clothing lines, whether it's partnership deals with other brands. Um, I think that's, yeah, such a good source of inspiration for product marketers who are looking just like, I want just like more creativity in my day to day. And I think looking for those non-traditional sparks of inspiration or um are a great way to uh to do exactly that that's a great point awesome so i'll I'm just kind of approaching up to our almost our last question here our second last question and a big part and you kind of touched on this earlier of creating a, a story and weaving that into how you position and message solution is getting outside of product marketing and getting your customer facing teams to accept understand and then kind of retell that story how do you encourage product marketers uh, listening to get those teams to understand the story and get excited about it and be willing to go to market and tell that story to their prospective customers? Yeah. So part of, you know, not only do we have to be like, we're sort of mini salespeople, right. For the customer. Right. And so, and again, I, I will, and again, I'm not, I'm not paid by the story, but I have to go back to this part of, Part of another reason why I do like story brands because it sells the leadership to do the thing you just said. And in fact, you know, that probably might be like the sneakiest reason why I do like it. Like, for example, right now I have a client I'm working with. They have eight departments. They have eight target audiences. You know, they're on the phone. They're like, yeah, we need a new website. And but it, after they say that, they're like, dot, dot, dot. And what they want is a message. They want you know, the CEO is thinking about the pipeline and the story. And so again, I, I do, I, I do think, you know, you have to find a pitch, right. Or, or something that will get people on board. I mean, that's part of like our job as product marketers, like we're salespeople, you know, we have to present something to the leadership team to say, this is why we need to invest in story. This is why we need to invest in talking to customers. And so, you know, that's that has been a little bit of a trick of mine is that I can I have some, you know, not well, they are slides, but you know, you you got to get your little five slide, six slide. This is why we need to do this, right? And once once people see that, like, hey, if we go to market with confusion, people aren't gonna buy, but if we go to market with clarity, they will. I think you'll get everyone on board, everybody will get behind you. Um, now it's not going to be easy. I mean, I've worked with companies that have political issues that have, you know, <clears throat> like we all do, like there's, there's a lot of, of problems, but I think it's a really important question you ask because it's, it's, it, it kind of points to why product marketers needed to, to develop leadership skills. You know, you really need to be certain about how you do things and, 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 and be able to explain to the team, like, this is why we need to go to market the way, the way we are. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I love that example of the website. I, I in my brief stint in a um, you know in an agency setting, that was one of the earliest indicators of a client who might come in for one thing, but really needed something else. Oftentimes, because you know the the founder of the agency is incredibly intelligent woman. Her name is Wendy Smith. Um, she was very smart to bring in house a web development team because I think she she realized people coming to a creative agency for a new website probably need a lot more than just the website because oftentimes they would come and say, oh, we want a new website. But really what they wanted was a new brand and a new position, a uh, way to position themselves in the market and a new story to tell. Uh, so it's obviously great for the agency because it brought a lot of more uh, business uh, and expanded the size of the project. But the reason I think that example is so powerful to use is because if as a product marketer, you are sensing internally that the website's feeling a bit stale or you feel like it's just not resonating, that might be the first indicator that maybe the story you're telling in the market and maybe how you're telling it through your positioning and messaging needs a refresh and needs updating. And as you said earlier, and you know, this is, I think most product marketers know this, your positioning and messaging in a story isn't static always going to change, probably shouldn't change every month, but you know, it's definitely something that needs to evolve with time and grow with your customer base or as the market evolves. So if you're getting that sense that eh, website's feeling a bit stale, it's probably pointed to the fact that there's other things that need to be addressed as well. And I think starting with that story and positioning messaging, at least exploring what changing it might look like, it's a good place to start to, to see if it really is just the website that needs to be updated. Yes. I, I've found 95% of the time that's been the case, at least in my experience. Like does the website pass the grunt test in five seconds? Can people figure out what we do and then how, what we do makes that person's life better. And, and CEOs get really up in arms about the website and about the first, you know, header part of the website. So absolutely. Yeah. I find in most website projects, the top third of the homepage ends up taking up like, anywhere from, you know, 40 to 80% of the work just to get that refined and make sure everybody's happy with it. And then once it's published, there's probably going to be at least two or three changes based on customer feedback and and how things actually um, play on the real world. So yeah, um, a lot of memories of, of focusing on that part of the site for sure. Awesome. Well, Danny, this has been fantastic. I, I feel like you and I have a lot of common. We could probably talk about, you know, hip hop and, and interviewing styles um, until the cows come home, but I do have to let you go. And Doing that, I'll ask you the last question. It's when I ask all my and that's if you know you could be a product marketer or maybe in your context, take on a client from any company in the world selling any product or service, which would you choose and why? I hope this answer is not a cop-out, but I would choose to work on a a product or a brand that is technical, maybe complicated in nature or you know, expensive. And you know, so I probably wouldn't work on an existing brand. I'd work on an underdog brand, quite honestly, because you know they just they haven't been shown love, right? And 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 I've I, and I've done that. You know, I've, we've helped companies that sell products that clean up oil spills. Like, who wants? You know, that's not Lululemon, right? It's not Apple. So that's probably I probably would choose the the brand or the product that just needs it the most, so I can get my so I can sink my teeth into it and really make it what it should be. I really enjoy that. Yeah. You like the challenge. You like the underdog story. It sounds like I do. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think as the field of product marketing grows more and more opportunities like that are going to emerge. And I've said this in previous conversations with guests before, but 
obviously everybody wants to, maybe not everybody, but a lot of product marketers, they want to work for the big brands. They want to work for, as you said, like the apples, the Lululemons of the world. But sometimes the most rewarding and challenging work and what's really going to like elevate your career in the longer term is with those lesser known companies, is with those lesser known brands. Um, because it challenges you more, it exposes you to more aspects of product marketing that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do as part of a large organization with probably tens, if not, you know, a hundred product marketers. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great shout. And I would definitely encourage anybody who's again, looking to get into their first product marketing role, or even just looking for a change, like don't count out the underdog, don't count out the smaller, what might feel like a more niche player. Um, because oftentimes those can be the most rewarding opportunities. Absolutely. Well, Mark, this was awesome. a blast. Truly. I I'm sure we both do a lot of these, but this was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, I had a great time chatting with you. It's been fantastic to having you on and I appreciate you sharing your own career stories uh, and, and you know your insights on the importance of storytelling within product marketing and really kind of like grounding it in reality. Again, as I started the conversation, storytelling gets thrown all around a lot in conversation and without really a good grasp of what it is and how it applies to being a product marketer. I think you've really added some clarity there. So thank you for that. Um, before I let you go though, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe, you know, bring you on in a professional context or just pick your brain about all things storytelling, maybe even chat about hip hop, curious, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? So I know this might be like a shock to some because LinkedIn gets a ton of hate, but I'm having a lot of fun on LinkedIn. So I would definitely love to be connected to anybody on LinkedIn. I love just following other product marketers. I just, the more and more I get involved in the community on LinkedIn and the product marketing world, like there's unbelievably talented and smart people in this industry. So I definitely would add me on LinkedIn. Um, my firm's called Story Sells. So again, probably sounding like a cover band at this point, but just storysells.com. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to connect with anybody that wants to. So Awesome. I, well, I'm sure after this, you'll have lots of people taking up on that offer. So thank you so much, Danny, for your time. Like I said, it's been great chatting with you. And I'm sure, um, like I said, you'll have a lot of uh, interest in, in your services over the coming months after this episode goes live. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.